I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome back. It is uh, the Sports Junkies. Not the Sports Junkies today here on Labor Day. You guys enjoy the day off. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hope you're having a good day off. If you are off today, hopefully you're still sleeping. Uh, but somehow listening to the show, you can be. You can hear the podcast later. So anyway, hopefully you're hearing it not live. Um, so we're here till ten. We'll uh, get to the big weekend from uh, the Terps, Hokies, uh, some wild stuff in college football this weekend. Who knew UCLA was going to beat LSU? I mean, some good stuff from the weekend. Somebody did. I'm sure, one of these big brain better guys that you've heard about that uh, probably comes on these shows probably knew. Probably told you that. He probably. Probably paid for your mortgage this weekend. Um, so we'll get into all that stuff coming up. Patrick Stevens, Washington Post, around 8.30. Um, get to the Washington football team and what to expect this week with uh, Ben Standing from The Athletic at 9 o'clock. So I was talking earlier about these um, these not-so-excitable odds um, and you know these projections and all these things that we have to do today. You know, I don't know how I watched sports as a kid without the probabilities, but somehow I did. Um, yeah, and I don't know how I did it without next-gen stats, but somehow I did. Um, it was weird. I mean, we just watched it and, like, enjoyed it. But now you got to have all the probabilities. you got to know what the, you know... What's the win percentage in the second quarter when you're watching a game now? I mean, you got we got so much, you know, thank God. Revenge of the nerds. Good for these guys for making money. I mean, I'm happy for them. Some of this stuff is useful. Some of this stuff just feels like it's just a waste of time. But anyway, all that being said, I'm still going to give you some of this stuff. <laughs> um, Neil Greenberg lays this out very nicely uh, in a story on the Post online. I believe it was uh, put up a couple days ago by now. I think I read it on Friday. Was Friday the fourth or was that Saturday? I have no, I have no, no idea what time is anymore. I'm in a bubble. Um, it was Saturday. Was the fourth? Okay. So he points out that the odds makers do not love the Washington Football Team and the um, the numbers. You know, we talked about it. they have a harder schedule on paper. Again, everybody thought they were going to lose the Steelers, the 49ers. Uh, at the end of the season last year, and those games ended up being easier. Obviously, injuries had a part of that. A weird circumstance with the, with the Steelers, where they had to play all those games jammed up on each other, uh, thanks to the Ravens. So all that stuff played in, but, but whatever. Um, it is what it is, and yes, going into the season, it looks to be extremely difficult. Um, you know, they come out of a bye week, and they have to play Tom Brady in the in the world beater Buccaneers. So anyhow, they, they do all this. You know, There are a lot of reasons why... Um, you could be a little concerned. Um, I think we discussed this the other night on overtime. You know, they're going to be favorite, favorite, excuse me, in only about four games, if that. 
Um, they figure twice against the Giants, who they have a horrendous recent history with. Actually, horrendous history. I could just stop there. Uh, and the Eagles. And that's it. Um, so that doesn't really bode very well, you know, looking at it. Um, you know, and this is great. This is, you know, like old school guy like Ron Rivera, he would love – he'd probably – Put this up on the old virtual bulletin board, the Zoom bulletin board. They probably have bulletin boards on Zoom now. Um, so the win probabilities, again, if you buy into all this stuff, I don't necessarily, but I get it. They are pretty much stacked against Washington outside of like this handful of games. This week's like a 50, well, not even a 50-50 shot. They're actually an underdog, last check at home, and it's a just a 48% win probability. The Giants on a short week is a 59% win probability, uh, according to um, these figures. And then the Bills on the road, just 25%. Falcons on the road, 46 Saints, 48 That's a home game. That's interesting. They're so high on the Saints. And, you know, I mean, look, I, I think Jameis Winston will be better with Sean Payton. However, we do remember last time Jameis Winston was a starter, right? I mean, he turned the ball over all the time. And Bruce Arians, pretty good offensive coach, and that was with Bruce Arians. So anyway, they still have that at 48. They got the Chiefs at a 46, actually higher than I thought it would be, but I guess because it's here. Uh, Packers on the road at 28%. Uh, Broncos on the road at 28%. Um, By week, there's no numbers, thankfully. Um, Buccaneers, a 41% win probability. At the Panthers, and only a 25%. That's interesting. I really like the Panthers, apparently. Uh, Seahawks 49, Raiders 46. That's a road game. Cowboys, the first one is a home game. It's a 46 win probability. Uh, Eagles a 48. Cowboys a 34 on the road. Um, Eagles back at home a 59 and the Giants a 53. And again, you know, we talk about this all the time. You, you go way down the road in these seasons. It's a battle of attrition. Who's healthy now? You get a, you know, COVID protocols. Who's in and who's out? Uh, what team's got an outbreak? Apparently the Cowboys have got nine new guys on the list. I mean, there's a lot of things that can change over a, now a 17-game NFL season. I mean, we used to say this when it was a 16-game NFL season. but So this is why people are not you know, loaded for bear on, on Washington right now. And they just don't know. I mean, with, with Fitzpatrick, they don't know. But I did think it was interesting, and again, kudos to Neil Greenberg for throwing this stuff in a story, that um, if you look at Fitzpatrick's issues with turnovers and passer rating and all that stuff, um, when he's actually leading, he's, he's fine. You know, we talked about, well, can he – you know, can he manage the game if they have a lead, you know, and not make the stupid turnover? That, that hasn't been the problem. The problem is he's been on a lot of sucky teams, um, for one. Uh, he was on a Jets team that actually had double-digit wins, but they didn't make the playoffs one year uh, as a starter. Um, you know, when you looked at his – if you saw him play in Miami last year, you know, had they kept going with him, probably had a hell of a lot better chance to, to make the playoffs. Now, I don't have the win probability for you on what that would have been, but – uh, just the eye test because he was better than Tua, and Tua, you know, has come to admit later. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the Dwayne Haskins stuff here. I didn't know the playbook. I didn't know all the plays. You know, sorry. <laughs> but we still three out in the field. Um, but anyway, so Fitzpatrick in this in this piece it, it shows that when up by eleven or more, which probably wasn't a whole lot in his career, um, his interception rates just two percent. TD rate, 6%, you know, yards passing, uh, 7.2, uh, passer rating of a 99.8, you know, score within 10 points, the passer rating drops to an 80.5, 
Uh, the interception rate ticks up to 3% and a 4% TD rate yards per pass tick down to 6.5. And then if you go trailing by 11 or more, which is when you just got to be balls out, um, TD rate actually ticks back up to 5%. Interception rate, though, ticks up to 5% and passer rating to 76.9. Yeah, I mean, you would suspect that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to take more chances when you're down. Just, you would That just goes to to make sense. And we saw him do some good things while losing too. I mean, we saw him bring teams back. Seen that quote fits magic moments for sure over and over from him in those times. So that's, that's the stuff though, that, um, again, we'll make a break, which way the team goes this year. I mean, if he's, if he's solid, put the football and they don't turn it over, they're going to be in games and hopefully they actually have leads. Most importantly, especially for the defense, so we saw what they could do when they can go get after the quarterback versus a team that's got to, you know, be a little bit more honest against the run. And are they good against the run? You know, will they be better against the run? You know, those things we still have to find out as uh, the season moves ahead. You know, right now, again, I'm not overly excited about the linebacker situation. And, you know, I'm very curious to see. We probably won't know until Sunday. I don't know if Ron Rivera, maybe he'll give this up. I don't know. Who knows? He don't like to tell much. He don't like to tell you much, which is fine. The coaches that tell you too much usually don't last long. <laughs> um, is, you know, where where they put Jamin Davis, the rookie? I mean, is he going to really be in the middle? Is that what they're going to do with him? Or are they going to are they going to put Bostic back there and slide him to the outside? That's, that's what I want to see. And again, with the lack of depth there, well, you see more of that 5-2 look, as we saw at times last year. See the extra safety. You know, they got safeties that can tackle, and Curl and Collins. I mean, they're it's a good tackling duo. And they have, you know, will they? what will they do? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of options there. And, I'm, you know, it's going fa- it's, it's to be fascinating to see, especially right out of the gates in week one, where, you know, some of those things that you would tinker with, they haven't shown it in a preseason game, nor should they. And I think a lot of us still wonder, you know, even though most of the stuff's been real positive with Landon Collins, I mean, overall in his career, you know, has not been the greatest in coverage. And, you know, will he will he be okay in coverage if he and Curl are out there together? Can they play together long term? You know, how do they handle that? Curl was really good as a rookie. I mean, you got to get him on the field. And remember last year, he started on the field sometimes. You know, he was coming in on third downs. He was, you know, he was covering. I mean, he, he showed right away he could cover. He, yeah, you knew he could tackle, but he was also covering. I mean, he was right on his man, and he was getting him down to the, you know, he was getting him down quickly. That's the thing that was impressive about him from, from the jump when nobody really knew what to make of him because he was kind of off the radar being such a late pick. But he, he showed that pretty quickly for you. So these are the things, you know, I think the worst part about Collins last year was I think it was like the light was was turning on, so to speak, in the defense. And, you know, he was having a hell of a game against Dallas when he, when he ruptured that Achilles. That was the frustrating part of that because he was making plays. He looked playing more free. I mean, he's better inside the box and obviously, you know, blitzing, coming off the edge, whatever. You know, that's what he's better at. Versus coverage, but it's you know at some point he's gonna have to cover. 
they're going to they're gonna have to do that. But, you know, him and, him and Kirill's a combo. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that works. Do we see a lot of Bobby McCain out there with them? You know, there's, they do have some options, you know, in that, in that room. And then obviously now with, you know, Jackson Fuller in the rookie, you know, St. Juice, I mean, they're going to ask a lot of him. With cutting Jimmy Moreland loose, you know, St. Juice is immediately on the spot. And he, you know, he looked, he looked the part of preseason. No, no, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But, you know, week one's a whole, you know, a whole different animal when you start, uh, facing live action, but it's, you know, they're, they're encouraged. They got to be encouraged by what they saw or they wouldn't have clearly drafted them as high as they did, or, you know, cut a veteran, you know, cut two veterans. Really. It wasn't just moral. It was a Danny Johnson as well, uh, for that spot. So, I mean, you knew St. Juice was going to make the team, what you didn't perhaps know going in was that he was going to be a starter, you know, when they go three corners. And that's that's what they got going on now. now. Like San Diego, or excuse me, I keep doing this. Los Angeles, the Chargers. How about that? Let's just go with the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers, again, when healthy, and that's, you know, the big thing, they do still have a lot of weapons. You know, even without Hunter Henry, although, I mean, again, Hunter Henry, anybody who's played fantasy football knows how frustrating of a player that guy is. Because when he's in, he's great, but he's, you know, but he's never as used as much as he, you thought he would be used, right? And he, <laughs> he's never lives up to the hype of, of Hunter Henry. So that's why I'm curious to see him in, uh, with the Patriots. But Jared Cook was a nice pivot by them because Jared Cook's actually been productive as hell. Um, you know, when he was in New Orleans, he, he's really, you know, revitalized his career. You know, he, he had some decent time with the, with the Raiders too, I believe, uh, before that. But, you know, it gives Herbert another big target. Williams is enormous. You would think maybe we see some we'd see some uh, St. Juiced on Williams at some point because he's a big guy. Keenan Allen's always really good, excellent route runner. You know, again, just a guy as long as he's healthy, always always productive, and they can run it. I mean, they got Eckler. Eckler's a good running back. When again, when healthy, I said all the Charger players. I mean, they go and they they use Jackson. You know, you know Kelly was pretty good last year and the year before when he played. So they definitely have some have some different ways and come at you. No question about it. But you know, key is well, their offensive line holdup has kind of been retooled, which is interesting. They've taken no live snaps together, and most importantly, can the uh, can the football team get get Herbert to the ground and get some pressure on him? That's that's uh, the other part of it. And he was a real stud as a rookie. He was poised. He did, you know, he, he checked all the boxes. But like anything else, you know, can you do it again? <laughs> can you come out and do it again and show that, uh, you know, you weren't some one-year wonder? They loved him. I mean, obviously they took him in the first round for a reason. But that was a, you know, different coaching staff. And, you know, this one's just supposed to enhance what he does and, and raise him even more. But, but he was as impressive as they came last year in terms of rookie quarterbacks. I mean, obviously Burrow got a lot of attention early, as he should have, and he was really good, you know, before the injury. But man, I was I was really um, maybe just because we were surprised at Herbert because it looked like they were going to bring him along slowly, but all of a sudden they had to play him and they just thrown into the fire and again checked all the boxes. He was terrific uh, throughout the season, and you know got some got some athleticism about him. He's got big size, big arm. All that stuff you want from your quarterback, and hopefully Chase Young and Montez Sweat can can meet at the quarterback quite a few times on Sunday, 
if this team's going to have a chance to uh, get a Week 1 W against a pretty good Charger team. All right, uh, we'll get to the uh, college football stuff coming up here in a little bit. Um, so I don't know if people caught this uh, yesterday or not or even care, but uh, Josh Norman has a new home. He is a member of the San Francisco 49ers. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know. I forgot Josh Norman had uh, – Not, even, I wasn't going to say – I'm not going to say I forgot he was still in the league. He actually played okay in Buffalo. Um, but I thought he was still in the Bills. Anyway – Interesting that, uh, of course, Kyle Shanahan has zero relationship with him. It wasn't like they coached him here. That was well after Kyle and Dad were gone uh, that he was here. But, yeah, Josh Norman picked up by the Bills yesterday, or excuse me, by the 49ers yesterday, played with the Bills last season. Um, you know, boy, what, what a what a frustrating fit that was here. It just never worked. Never, you know, the first season wasn't too bad. After that, just a lot of nothing uh, from him. But last year in Buffalo, you know, he actually he actually had a touchdown. <laughs> he actually, but he only had like, but it was like here, you know, he doesn't. He's not a guy who's going to get a lot of interceptions, um, you know. And I actually thought that was a good fit for him because he was playing with his former defensive coordinator, and you know, I was a little surprised that they had uh, went ahead and moved on from him. But he got picked up by the Niners, so, you know, hey, good for Josh Norman. Still fine at work. Still, uh, I don't know if he's running with the Bulls in the off-seasons anymore, dancing with the Stars, all the other stuff he used to do. But he uh, he was the runner-up with Dancing with the Stars. I don't think he won it, but he was a runner-up for that. Just never a good fit here. Guy talked such a good game. It, like, he was a great interview, too. Like, you talked to Josh Norman, you really believed it. I mean, you really thought, hey, man, that's right, this is the guy, you know. He kind, of, he kind of bought into it, but just never was the guy. And I have to say, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of former DBs. Some of them were on the record, some were off the record, that played in this city that did not think he was worth the, worth the uh, trouble when this team signed him to that big contract. And they proved to be very correct. You know, again, guy was couldn't play man. They wanted to play man, play in the zone. So what's interesting about this William Jackson signing, who we barely saw in the preseason because – Here's a guy that is a more of a man guy, and this was a team that played a lot of zone. But if you believe what you read, um, this team would like to mix it up more this year, play less zone and more man. So hopefully it will be a good fit when they do do that. And again, William Jackson, you know, one of these guys that uh, the PFF world loved him, absolutely loved him. But you know, it was kind of in the witness protection program in Cincinnati, but obviously was a highly rated by a lot of teams and free agency. We'll see if that swap out ends up being an upgrade for Washington. That's one of the other things, too, when you look at the defense. What's different and what you know what could be better, could be worse, will will that end up proving to be better? As they basically you know, swap out Darby for him. Now, the Darby thing, you know, they had to pivot because he, he obviously got a contract and had to go, and they had to go pivot. And they, you know, I think they, they feel like they made an upgrade there. We'll see in practice when, when it happens on uh, Sunday. All right, we're going to get to college football coming up. We'll talk... Terps, Hokies, winners, uh, a wild weekend uh, for week one of the world of college football and uh, a Randy Ensel retirement announcement, too, which was kind of interestingly timed. So we can do all that straight ahead. Patrick Stevens of the Washington Post will join us to recap the weekend that was college football here on Sports Junkies Show. Minus the Junkies, hey, Scott Jackson with you here on 1067 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. It is Sports Junkies, Minus Junkies today. Scott Jackson in here on 106.7 The Fan with you on Labor Day. We'll jump around. little Camp Randall on Saturday. They were jumping around, but in the end, Penn State was the winner over number 12, Wisconsin. Joining us right now to talk all weekend college football from the Washington Post, Patrick Stevens, good enough to join us. Uh, and uh, Patrick, good morning to you. How you doing? I am doing well, Scott. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I'm... Um, I was encouraged by the Terps on, on Saturday. I'll be honest with you, going into the game, I did not know what to expect. I know both teams were, were roughly kind of in the same boat in terms of where people thought them in the preseason they would be uh, with their with their preseason rankings. But what were your takeaways from the Terps? And obviously, uh, to Leah Tungavailoa, to his little brother who uh, who played pretty big. Well, I, I think the first thing you take away – uh, from Maryland is that they didn't mess up and West Virginia did with all those turnovers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, like I, I mean, yeah. like That's you, a good you point. Know, you, you, the four turnovers I think are, are really the difference in that game. I mean, you can cer- certainly sit there and and look at the numbers for guys like like uh, Tayon Fleet Davis and Dante Demas and Rakim Jarrett, 
But the reality is, is West Virginia had 13 points off, uh, allowed off of four turnovers, and Maryland didn't give the ball away. And, yeah. and they limited themselves to only five penalties. So, you know, before we get into anything else, you just give Maryland credit for, for having been opportunistic. Uh, so so they, played, they played reasonably well. Defensively, I think the first half, they were a bit questionable on that end of the field. But, uh, again, the turnovers kind of helped solve things in the second half. Now, on the flip side of all this, you know, how many times in the last decade or so have we seen Maryland in its first game or its first game against a, a, an FBS opponent get everybody's hopes up, uh, and then promptly either that team didn't turn out to be that good or Maryland didn't turn out to be that good? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you right. think about the Miami Labor Day game. You think about the two Texas games. You think about the Syracuse game. And that was 17, 18, 19, those last three. So it, it, I think it's very much a wait-and-see deal for Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, you know, it, there's a path to 4-0 and heading into October for them with, with Howard coming up this week. It's a team that they beat 79 nothing a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Illinois. Uh, and then Kent State, who's, who, who is a, a tricky opponent, I think. But, but there's a path to 4-0 and for Maryland. So – Remains to be seen exactly what they are, but but they certainly shouldn't argue about winning what I think you would have reasonably considered to be one of the coin flip games on their schedule. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you talk about yeah being opportunistic. Obviously, is is a great point. And you know, I give give the coaching staff credit uh, too with the penalties, right? I mean, because some of these week one games sometimes, you know, for college and pros as well, uh, you just see just a lot of you know false starts. You know, just just the product. You know, the the, the the problems getting plays in things like that 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 just kind of trip you up before you can ever get started. So that that part of it, you got to give them credit for that. Certainly so, and, and and like I said, you know, we have seen that sort of thing before, where, where it's been good for a game, uh, and then things yeah. kind of fritter away. Uh, so so I I think it's very much wait and see mode on Maryland. But if you're the Terps, you have to be happy being one and zero with a victory over a power. Uh, so so I I think it's very much wait and see mode on Maryland. But if you're the Terps, you have to be happy being one and zero with a victory over a power five. Well, this is the goofy thing about college sports, right? We we don't wait for anything because we have to have preseason polls. We have to have polls after the season ends. We have to have recruiting polls. I mean, it, it's always measuring things that aren't actually measured on a scoreboard before we actually play games, which is so weird about college sports, but that's the world we live in. Um, and it brings me to what happened in, in Blacksburg on Friday night. Um, you know, I said to a couple people, and look, I'm not some gambling expert or anything, or, or some college football aficionado. Uh, I just said, I go, I don't, I don't know if I'm comfortable with North Carolina being this big favorite in Blacksburg over the Hokies. I mean, I don't, you know, I get it. You know, they've got talent, they've got this this great quarterback coming back, but they did lose some really key pieces, and I, and I think it kind of got displayed on the scoreboard there on, on Friday night. Yeah, when you have two thousand yard running backs and a thousand yard receiver, and they leave, uh, yeah. I, I think this is evidence that that you know your quarterback has only so much to do with that sort of success. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think too, you, you, there's a long enough history here uh, of, of North Carolina get, getting a little bit of hype, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then yep. just simply not living up to it. Uh, and so you look at you look at what happened. I, I would actually say, if you're Carolina, you feel pretty good about the way your defense played. No, that's uh, true. You know, Mac up, Brown can build some defense. Seven, they they only gave up seventeen points. I I don't yeah. think Carolina's up a creek as like a division contender or anything, but they're certainly right, not right. some stealth playoff team. And and good for Virginia Tech for for having gotten back to its defensive roots because heavens knows it needed to do that. Uh, you know, picked off Howell three, Sam Howell three times uh, and, and got enough elsewhere 
to be able to get things done. I, I think when we're sitting around looking at teams nationally, they got victories they really, really, really needed in some form or another, whether it was a, whether it was a first game for a new coach or, or just simply a, a coach that was on the spot to, to, to really get things done. You know, Virginia Tech's near the top of that list. And I think this kind of puts the Hokies combined with, you know, Miami getting blasted predictably by Alabama. Uh, you know, you got to consider them in that mix. Uh, in the coastal division, of course, I, I think you go into every year thinking about five teams are in the mix in the coastal, and, and right. I think that's probably about the right number this year too. Well, well we're here, Patrick Stevens, Washington Post. You can read his uh, stuff on, on the Washington Post for the weekends. He's got his uh, winners and losers of college football. A really good uh, read this weekend. Uh, here with us on one oh six seven, the fan Scott Jackson, and here today on the Sports Junkie Show. How, how real is the heat on Justin Fuentes going into the season? Do you think uh, you know because you just mentioned about somebody who needed a win, and I agree with you. I, I feel like you know, people were just kind of like, man, what, what's going on here? Justin Fuente, he's got to he's got to come out and be be better this year, or you know, they got to think about some other option. Well, when you look at the records, right, his, his records in Blacksburg are, have trended in the wrong direction. Ten and four, mm-hmm. nine and four, six and seven, eight and five, and then last year the bowl, the bowl streak finally ends. They go five and six. So th- there's bound to be a fair bit of grumpiness uh, going on <laughs> there in, in Blacksburg over that trend line. So, and then you factor in the idea that you know last year aside, obviously that you're operating in the half of, of, the, uh, of the ACC that doesn't involve Clemson, doesn't include Clemson. So it, it, that, that's a wide-open spot. Uh, and to have gotten only one division title in, in those first four years and, and wouldn't have won a division title last year had there been divisions, uh, one ACC uh, championship game appearance, you know, not, not exactly a, a major bowl appearance in the lot. They did go to Orlando uh, right. in, in his second season. You know, that's... That, that's just not the standard that Virginia Tech fans grew accustomed to, you know, roughly from about 1996 until, you know, 2011 or so. Uh, and, and, you know, that was the, the slide from that down towards teams that would go 7-6 and six is what caused some of the grumbling at the end of the Frank Beamer years. So it's not surprising that in year six and, and having uh, not been able to get to the 10-win spot since uh, 2016 that there would be some concern. Uh, the, 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 the job isn't getting done appropriately, uh, on this end. So, yeah, I, I think it's certainly a, a coach that maybe has the most riding on this season in the ACC as much as anyone. All right, so the ACC, uh, I, I think we could, it almost was salvaged last night, perhaps, uh, had Florida State been able to pull that upset off. But it was a bad weekend, right? I mean, big picture. I mean, Clemson can't even get a touchdown. He's no shame in losing to Georgia, obviously. I, I think people thought Miami was going to get beat by uh, by Alabama. Maybe not in that fashion it was. But uh, overall, I know I know you put this in your notes, but, I mean, this this is not a great start for the ACC, is it? No, it is not. And, and I, I think you, you have to kind of look up and down the, the whole roster and say, okay, well, well <laughs> what happened here? Uh, we mentioned mm-hmm. you know, North Carolina being a hype team, uh, not getting the job done. You know, Miami, has, Miami has not been on, on the level of the national elite now for nearly 20 years. So let's not act like getting blasted by Alabama is even remotely <laughs> surprising. But, but let, I mean, look, Georgia Tech lost at home to Northern Illinois. Duke lost at Charlotte. Uh, you know, th- there were some very questionable results in there. You mentioned Clemson. Let's, and let's face it, you know, th- there's, there's some similarities over the last 
handful of years and, and to what you saw in the 90s and early 2000s with Florida State, where the league was basically getting measured by, well, is Clemson good? Well, if Clemson's yep. not going to be a top two or three team, everybody's going everybody's to pile on the ACC at that point. So mm-hmm. I, I think that what we saw is that Clemson's probably not a top two or three team right now, but they might still be a top ten team. Uh, they just can't score against Georgia. I mean, no, no shame in that. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But, but overall, like, there's, there's not exactly a victory you're looking at here that you're hanging your hat on. I mean, I, I'm not trying to disrespect BC for beating Colgate or Pitt for beating UMass. Uh, they, they handled their business like they were supposed to. But there, there isn't exactly something that you're sitting here looking at and saying, gosh, this is, this is really impressive. I mean, you, you can make an argument that outside of Virginia Tech winning a league game, that the best victory – uh, that the ACC picked up was Syracuse at Ohio, winning by 20 there. Yeah. Uh, that or NC State over South Florida, a team I think that was 1-10 or something like that last season. So uh, it, it, there, there's certainly some work to work to do there uh, as a league with the rest of this non-conference schedule to, to be able to accomplish something. And a lot of that will probably have to happen that last weekend of the regular season where you have all those uh, in-state games with Clemson and Clemson and South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and all that. Yeah, Georgia Tech uh, losing to uh, who they lose Northern Illinois. Northern uh, Illinois. Duke, Duke lost to Charlotte. Wow. I mean, Charlotte's program is not very old. Less, less, than, um, less than ten years old. Yeah, I mean that's that's just it's a rough weekend. Speaking of rough weekend, so Randy Etzel's UConn team lost to Holy Cross um, in their home opener. Um, they are a, a team without a conference as well at this point, correct? And now he's yeah. announced he's retiring, not immediately, but at the end of this season. I mean, I can't imagine that was the plan, uh, but apparently after that loss to Holy Cross, that, that got moved up quickly, or at least he felt he needed to make it public. Yeah, well, at least he's not bailing. He has to sit through the next 10 weeks, yes. too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but, I mean, look, it's not it's – not, the situation there, obviously, the long story short, they got left yeah. behind in yep. the in the conference realignment. They were stuck in the American in a league that really was just so far flung and, and didn't really fit them. And as a result, not only did the, was their football middling, and they made some bad hires along the way too. An old Pat, Paul Pascaloni, uh, not ready for primetime Bob Diaco, and then Randy Edsel in, in version 2.0. Uh, but you know, the bad hires aside, you're in a league where not only do you not have any neighbors for football, but now you're in a league where your basketball power is diminished too. So they rejoin the Big East and go independent, which frankly, if I'm Connecticut, that's the right play. Like your fans care more about basketball than they do football. They'd rather, they'd rather be, you know, instead of being an afterthought in basketball and middling in football, they'd rather be pretty good in basketball and terrible in football. I think that's a rational decision. And so, at this point, Connecticut has to solve one of two problems. They're an SBS independent. Either they need to get out of the SBS or they need to find a league. And I don't think there's a league that's going to take them without taking everybody else. So I think the path, yeah. the, the path is pretty obvious. On the flip side of this, this is a school that, that went to the trouble to, to build a stadium, granted, 40 minutes off campus in East Hartford. Uh, and this stadium is only 20 years old or so. So you have this whole idea of, well, gosh, we've poured so much money into this. Well, you poured all that money into it to be in, in a regional league with teams like West Virginia and Pitt and Syracuse that you figured that you would, you know, you would be rivals with, and you're not, you know, you can't do that now. So, you know, that that's a sunk cost. And, and you know what? That stadium was – I was there for the lacrosse final four in May. It's a great stadium for an event like that. I know the U.S. – 
Uh, national teams in soccer use it. Great stadium for that. It's not like the stadium's going to go unused. But, you know, I, I think if you're Connecticut – uh, the, the FBS portion of this, it, it might be time to it might be time to drop down at this point. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, we're here with Patrick Stevens, Washington Post. All right, I'll ask you about another one of the perhaps winners, certainly one of the winners from this weekend. And now they're they're two and zero. I don't I look beating LSU. Maybe doesn't mean the same as it did a few years ago, but for UCLA to do that, um, th- that's a big deal. You know how the, the Pac-12 is always supposed to be the Patsies compared to the good old SEC. But that, I mean, is that a, is it, am I over? Stating it, saying that's very significant uh, early development in the season. Well, I think at the very least, it's a it's a significant development in UCLA's progress under Chip Kelly. I mean, remember mm-hmm. that was a team that was utterly hopeless in non conference play right. in his first two seasons, and then last year there wasn't non conference play, and they were actually a bit unlucky. I think they were one and four in game, in one possession games last season. So you know, for them to not just beat LSU, but they handled LSU. I mean, they piled up almost 500 yards. Now, that was an LSU defense that wasn't very good last year either. So for them to not be good isn't a complete surprise. But, you know, they, UCLA finally looked like it got the Chip Kelly that it thought it was getting. It was it was almost right. as if there was like some imposter that was playing the role for three <laughs> years. Oh, and now we got the Oregon version. That's great. Right, so, right. <laughs> you know, you mentioned the Pac-12 having its problems. I mean, look, you know, Washington State lost to Utah State. Washington lost to Montana. Uh, you had a handful of other okay, – Cal lost to Nevada. There were a handful of other results that weren't all that great. Stanford against Kansas State. So the Pac-12 really needs somebody to, to stand up along right. with Oregon and USC this year. UCLA, I think, at 2-0, and you know, you got to say that, that they've been as, about as impressive as anybody so far, you know, Thompson Robinson, the quarterback, has, mm-hmm. has gone through a lot during his career, uh, and he was super, super effective against LSU. Certainly a lot of big play possibility in that offense. So I'll be curious to see what they do there moving forward. But let's face it, you know, I think the sport is a little bit more fun when you have a Chip Kelly pinball offense working the way it's supposed to rather than what it was doing in 2018 and 2019. No doubt. Uh, Patrick Stevens, give him a follow on Twitter at D1, the number one, S Course on Twitter. Uh, you can read him in the Washington Post, at Lacrosse Magazine, and many more places. Always great talking to you and getting your knowledge, Patrick. Thank you for uh, getting up with us this morning. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. All right, take care. Patrick Stevens, uh, great uh, college insights, whether you're talking basketball, football, lacrosse, man, does it all. Again, read him in the post, follow him on the Twitter at D and the number one S course on Twitter, like discourse, get it? Anyway, great stuff for Patrick. Um, enjoy reading him. Glad that uh, they got him in the post doing college football now as well. He, look, they've, you know, he brings up a good point about Chip Kelly. I really thought Chip Kelly's better days were past him. You know, the Eagles thing was one thing. Okay, college football guy fails in NFL. But the fact that he got a second job is absurd with <laughs> the 49ers. <laughs> and that went as badly as it did, as quickly as it did. But I was surprised. I really thought he was going to be like Pete Carroll. He was going to come back in the, you know, come to the college game. Now, granted, you know, you know, Pete had uh, had been in the NFL first. He wasn't college first. But, you know, I thought he would just kind of swing back into college and be fine. But the first two years at UCLA, not very encouraging. But this weekend's result was encouraging. So see if they can keep that going. Uh, as well. And it is a fun offense. I mean, whether you like Chip Kelly or not, um, I just think the funny thing about Chip Kelly is he's big on fitness and he's not fit at all. <laughs> you know, you know, it's kind of hard like to take the guy seriously. If you're the fitness guy and you're, you know, you're not fit. You know, I don't know. You just like, come on coach. 
You know, drink some of those shakes you've been making everybody drink, you know, yourself. Maybe with years without sugar. Anyway, all right, coming up, we're going to get to uh, some more things about the college football weekend. 9 o'clock hour, we'll shift back to the NFL, and Ben Standing joins us. Sports Junkies out of the Junkies today. Scott Jackson with you here on 1067 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, welcome back, Sports Junkies. Guys are off today. They'll be back with you here tomorrow on uh, 106.7 The Fan. Scott Jackson with you until 10. We'll get to uh, some Washington football team stuff in the final hour. Ben Standig from The Athletic covers them. We'll be out there today. Practice, they're back today. Um, bigger uh, bigger situation will be Wednesday when they uh, get back at us. They start really ramping it up uh, for week one. Maybe get a update on Curtis Samuel today as well. All right, real quick, uh, coming off of what we were talking about with Patrick Stevens there, again, thanks to him for joining us, Washington Post. Give him a follow on the Twitter if you haven't done it yet. Um, Alabama, ridiculous, right? I mean, we're just talking about all the things. Hey, this team lost this guy, this team lost that guy. I mean, Mac Jones is gone, <laughs> right? I mean, your number one wide receiver is gone. Your number one running back has gone. I mean, all the things we just said about Carolina, like how could we expect them to replace those things? I mean, Alabama had a million first round, you know, a million draft picks again this year uh, uh, in this past NFL draft, and here they are again kicking everybody's ass. I mean, it is ridiculous. I mean, Jalen Waddle, Sertan, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Alex uh, Leatherwood, uh, Nigel Harris. Um, you know, these are just the rounds one and two, three guys. Um, Landon Dickerson, Christian Barmore. I mean, that's all. I mean, you know, hey, whatever. They just reload. Now, I did talk. I do. I have been hanging out with an Alabama insider this week, um, a friend of mine, and he tells me that there were some people that wanted Bryce Young last year. They, they thought they should skip Mac Jones and just go to Bryce Young because he was that good. 
So he wasn't. So he basically called his shot to me before he went to the game on on Saturday. He said, "Look, Bryce Young's going to light it up. We're going to kill Miami." And by the way, is there a more delusional fan base than the Miami Hurricane football fan? I, I, I'm really having a hard time thinking there's any, but maybe like New York Knicks fans. But New York Knicks fans like almost like a sadistic kind of like delusional, though. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't really ever think anything good is going to happen. They just kind of hope it will. But the, the Miami Hurricane fans, I mean, they think it's like still the 80s and 90s. They, I mean, some of them, especially some of their alums that played football there. But that's a different story. Anyway, Bryce Young torched them. You know, they play Mercer next week. So we'll eventually get to see Alabama tested maybe um, when they play Florida in three weeks. Is that three weeks? I guess that's two weeks. Could be a good game. And um, – it's at the swamp, so that 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 will be interesting. That's a CBS afternoon game. By the way, I'm not one of these people that is happy CBS is losing the SEC. I think they do a great job with the SEC. I like it. I think it's going to get lost in the factory at ESPN. They got so many contracts, and God, could you imagine Joe Tessitore doing a game like an Alabama game, like <laughs> oh, Nick Saban? Oh. Oh, my God, look at the pressure on his face. I mean, last night, I mean, yeah, we get it, man. This, the kid's mom was crying, dude. You didn't have to tell us 400 times. We got the backstory there on, on Mackenzie Milton, bro. Just chill. God, it's awful. Anyway, I digress. The um, the Bama the Bama team, real test, Florida, maybe Texas A&M, who's allegedly a top 10 team. I don't know if LSU, we can even talk about that anymore after seeing – what happened to them at UCLA. And the Iron Bowl is always, you know, hey, the Iron Bowl is the Iron Bowl, right? The exciting thing is it, about this Oklahoma-Texas venture when it happens for the SEC, though, is that maybe the SEC is going to lose some of those preseason games they have. Like the Mercer game will be off the Bama schedule. Um, you know, they play Southern Miss, which isn't a terrible out-of-conference game. I mean, they're, I don't know if they're any good this year, but it's not like a bad program. Um they play New Mexico State. I mean, that's absurd. They, they should never play New Mexico State. So, I mean, like, you lose those games and you add more conference games. I mean, the SEC kind of pits itself as it's us against, you know, we're number one, everybody else sucks. Then they should just, you know, they should play their schedules that way. You know, play more conference games. And, you know, when you play out of conference, actually play a legitimate team. You know, they should do that to make it more interesting. And I'm not saying they're not going to win them, especially Alabama. It doesn't matter. I mean, Alabama's better than everybody. It doesn't surprise me. And now that it looks like Clemson is not going to be up to par, I don't know. I don't know where the challenge comes from, for, frankly. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you know, the Ohio State people always think they can do something, but you know, don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't know about this year. Don't know about that, but, man, Bama just, it's ridiculous. I mean, everybody's like, well, this team lost this guy. <laughs> I mean, nobody has that conversation with Alabama. They're just like, yeah, they lost everybody, but they got everybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a damn bit of difference. They're not. They're not making excuses. They're just reloading every single year. Unbelievable. All right, coming up, we'll get to NFL action. I watched the football team get ready for the Chargers this week. Ben Standing from the Athletic uh, joins us straight ahead here on the Sports Junkies minus the Junkies today. Scott Jackson with you here on one zero six seven The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.